0: Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated tonight. Like I said, well, I'm, I'm going to get right into uh, the word. Wasn't sure if um, if Pastor was going to be back in time or not, and uh, then he told me. He said, "Yeah, I'm I'm not." So teach. And I said, "All right." <laughs> so uh, I, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna keep us. Um, keep us, you know, y'all know I'm not very long-winded that often, but uh, I'm going to keep us right inside the the hour mark there if I can. But I do do want to teach us tonight. I want to kind of explain before I get into the teaching. um, A a lot of this, uh, well, we've all heard taught in some form or fashion. I say we all have, most of us have. Um, These are things uh, that I've I've taken from different lessons uh, that I've preached before, um different uh different points that I've made before, but uh I've I've laid this out in such a way tonight. I want us to, because the time we're in, it's it's imperative now more than ever that that we're able to explain what we believe about salvation and that we are able to live what we believe about salvation salvation, that, uh, of course, if there is anyone who has not, uh, that you obey what the Word of God says about salvation. And so, I'm going to, uh, if you will tonight, this will be teaching, and uh, if you will tonight, uh, you know, take take some notes on your phone, take some notes on something, uh, because I want to teach us tonight. Uh, I want to um, help us to... You know, understand. I want you to soak in everything, every verse uh, that we're going to tonight. I want you to soak this in and understand uh, really who we are as the church and what we believe about salvation because it's in the Word of God, and and also so we can explain this to people. Because I've had many uh, people here recently ask me about things about how to explain uh, salvation according to the Word of God to a friend or a family member. Uh, We need to be able to talk about this. With people, we need to be able to, to understand this and know what the Word of God says about being saved and tell people. It's not time to make that secondary. It's it, it is not. Uh, and I know that we, we have a thing and, and it, you know where we say well, we don't just just shove the Word of God down someone's throat as soon as they walk in. You got to love them. You got to make them feel welcome. And I agree with that and I understand that one hundred percent. But we can't make salvation secondary. We can't, we can't take so long just loving people and, ju- and just, just, you know, uh, making people feel welcome that, that we wait forever until it's too late uh, to make salvation first and foremost. We've got to explain this Word of God to people. We've got to understand it ourselves. And so I want to look in Hebrews 2 and 3, first of all, to open up tonight. And it says, How shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. And my, my title of this lesson tonight is So Great Salvation. So Great Salvation. And I, I want to first of all say that this salvation that we have is a great salvation. It is a great salvation. And uh something that I, um, and I, I didn't even give this uh, to, the, to the media, um, but it was brought to my attention as I prayed and studied. But in Acts chapter 10, um, you look and see, and I'll just read it. It's, it's where uh, Peter is about to be called to go and preach to Cornelius. And uh, it says, On the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And there, you know, people use this passage to explain, uh, you know, different things, different beliefs. But we, we know and we understand that this is talking about salvation being extended to the Gentiles uh if 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 i've heard it correctly i believe this was about 9 years after the day of pentecost after that initial outpouring of the holy ghost um and don't just quote me 100% on that but uh you know it, it was they they were preaching this message to the jews to to their people and it had not yet begun to uh, be preached to uh the gentiles in the way that we see throughout the rest of acts uh but what the lord was saying here was, you know, he was getting ready, Peter ready to go and take this salvation to the Gentiles. This right here to us should excite us as much as Acts 2.38. Anybody that's not Jewish in here, this should excite you as much as Acts 2.38 because the Lord was letting Peter know this is going to go to everyone. And, and what I have cleansed, don't call common. He was saying, this same salvation that I have extended to you, I'm going to graft in the Gentiles. I'm going to make it available unto uh, every part of the earth, to everybody that, that will ever hear it. They can be saved. They can obey this plan of salvation. And I don't know about you, but that excites me to be grafted in, to be grafted into this body, to, to have this salvation available to me. This is not common. This is not secondary. This, this salvation is great. This salvation, it is miraculous. And we love to talk about miracles and signs and wonders and seeing these great things. But I tell you that there is no greater miracle. There is no greater miracle than, than the miracle of salvation. Of being able to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and washed and covered by His blood and then filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues, there is no healing miracle that is greater than that. There is no supernatural thing that you can see that is greater than the miracle of salvation. It is not common. This is not common, and it is not secondary, and, and this is not something that we should forget. The, there there are all kinds of beliefs today in this world. Don't, don't even look, look at other religions. In, in what we call Christianity today, There are all kinds of different beliefs. God help us if we ever lump this truth that we know into a pile of all kinds of beliefs and denominations like it's just another thing, like it's just what we choose to believe. The last time I checked, Noah didn't say I'm going to build nine or ten arcs and you can choose which one you want to get on. But if, if you didn't get on the ark that God told Noah to build, you was drowning. And I'm telling you, this is the only way. And this is the only plan of salvation that is in the Bible. This is the only way to be saved that you will find for the New Testament church, the church that we are today. I'm telling you, there's one way. There's one plan of salvation. The apostolic church is the only church that God ordained and birthed into existence to extend a- until his return that the apostolic church is the church that has stayed faithful to the Word and the truth of God, and is the church that continues to grow and expand and preach the gospel all over the world. The apostolics are the ones that people call when they get in trouble and when they get a bad doctor's report because they know where the power resides and they know that we've got the Holy Ghost and that we've got the answer and that we've got the keys and we've got so great salvation. This salvation, I'll tell you, is miraculous. It's not that that's why when we gather together, it's not just another Wednesday night. It's miraculous because I can hear about this great salvation. And it's not just another Monday night, but it's a chance for the miraculous. And it's not just another Sunday service, but it's the chance for the miraculous. What we have. Don't ever call it common. Don't ever let it become common uh, to us. This great salvation that we have. The Lord talked about. Uh, he, he said that the, the works that you've seen me do, and this was not only to the ones he was talking to right there, he was, he, th- this is for the church today. He said the works that you've seen me do, he said greater works, he, he said you're going to do the works I've done and greater works uh, you do. And we believe that and we talk about that as, as, uh, you know, in regards to end time revival and what God wants to do in these last days. I wholeheartedly believe it. We've already been seeing it. Now just listen though. Surely we must know that we can't improve on the things that Jesus did. When he said greater works than me Shall ye do? Surely I can't improve upon anything that Jesus did. I can't take any miracle, anything, any act that He ever did, and make it better. I can't ever do anything to make it greater in that regard. But what the Lord is saying here is more in number and on a larger scale than what I, you know. Jesus, He 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 preached and ministered in a very small area. And not even everybody that he preached to received him in that small area. But he told us, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna go all over this world. You're gonna go to every corner of the earth and preach this gospel. And, and, and he said that, that, that all the world's gonna hear this gospel. We, we've got to understand that he's talking about on a larger scale. And if it's going to be on a larger scale, then we cannot just sit back and make salvation secondary and and, and wait for someone to ask me about salvation. This salvation is something that we should proclaim. This salvation should be something that, that, that we are branded by when people think about and look at the apostolic church. This salvation is not common if we want it to be greater works, if we want it to be on a larger scale, then we've got to get into a larger scale mindset and realize that salvation is not secondary. It's not secondary. The Bible says that the latter house is greater than the former house. I believe that. Only once in, in, in the record here was there 3,000 that received the Holy Ghost in one day. But that's already been happening in other countries. And if you believe that and you, and, and, and you believe the things, I mean, if you're paying close enough attention, you're listening to preaching and paying attention to what's going on in, in our movement, then you, then you would believe that uh, the Lord has spoken and said that that revival is coming to America. We have not seen it on that scale yet. We have not seen it on that scale yet. But the Lord said it's coming. The Lord said, I've been doing it here, I've been doing it all over the world. And He said, I'm going to do it in America. If you believe God's still speaking, you believe that. And I believe that. I believe that. I believe we're going to see revival on that scale. But see, it didn't just say that there were 3,000 that 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 it touched their hearts. In that single day. It didn't just say that, that it was 3,000 that, uh, that got emotional that day. It wasn't just 3,000 that, uh, know, that they made feel good on that day. It was 3,000 that were saved on that day. It was 3,000 that received the Holy Ghost. Were baptized in the name of Jesus. That, that received this great salvation in that day. And I believe that we're going to see that in America. I believe that we're going to see that in Winterville. I believe that we're going to see that in Athens, in the surrounding cities and counties. That I believe before the Lord comes back, we're going to see that. Because the Lord has said it. And the Lord has said even to this congregation specifically, that these walls cannot hold the souls that will be harvested in revival. I tell you, I still believe the Word of God. And I believe that greater work shall we do. I believe that we're going to see this. I believe that the latter house is greater than the former. You see, God tells us He's going to do something. And in our own minds, we decide when and uh, that, that, that is that He's going to do it. And how He's going to do it. And when it doesn't happen in our timing that we have set up in our own minds, then we can get so full of unbelief that when the time does come, we can't recognize it. And I'm preaching tonight, I'm I'm teaching this tonight to tell you, we better recognize that this world is ready for harvest. This world is ready to receive salvation. I'm telling you, we've got to know that... We've got, it's time to reap the harvest. The harvest is ready. I'm telling you tonight, I hope that we have not planned it some way in our minds that we've, that it's not happened like this and this and this and we're so full of unbelief that we can't recognize right now that this world is hungry and this world is ready to receive the salvation of the word of God. This world is ready for a harvest. The church has got to be ready right now to reap a harvest. We've got to know the plan of salvation according to the Bible. I'm telling you, we have got to get as excited and as passionate about salvation according to the Word of God as we do about anything else that we shout about. So I'd like to to talk to us for a few minutes tonight regarding this great salvation that we have. And this great salvation message that the Lord has entrusted us with. There are many ways that we can can shine our light. and We can show the love of God to this world. But what good is anything that we do if we do not show them this great salvation? We have got to show them this great salvation. We've got to tell people about the plan of salvation that is laid out in the word of God. And so I'm, I'm going to talk about the action that we must take upon believing and i've 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 preached a, a lot of this here recently in in uh you know on different uh platforms and through different um can't think of the word i'm trying to use here but you know through live stream whatever uh, it, but because I, I i'm i'm stirred up about this in this time that we're in and and if if time permits i'm not going to hold us too long if time permits i'm going to go a little further and i'm going to talk to us about some practical things about Receiving the Holy Ghost and praying with people to receive the Holy Ghost. Because I believe we need to know how to work the altars. But first things first. Salvation according to scripture. This is where you might want to write some stuff down. This might where you might want to record or, or, or you know take some notes or something. I'm going to show you salvation according to the scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. And i said this many times, that I love this verse. I love the Word of God. So I should love this verse. But I cannot and no one can base their entire faith upon John 3.16. You can't. Because yes, I must believe in order to be saved. But it takes more than believing to be saved. And I hope, I don't care if you've heard this before, I hope, some, I hope somebody can hear it tonight. I hope you can get it down inside of you. That it takes more than believing to be saved. It takes more than just faith to be saved. Believing like the Bible talks about, requires action. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And all those, are, all those verses are uh, in James chapter 2. Write down James chapter 2. Look at it for yourself. Did you know that just a few verses before John 3.16 in John 3 and 5, Jesus was telling Nicodemus that except a man be born of water and of spirit... And we understand that that is Jesus' name, baptism, and being Holy Ghost filled. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's out of the mouth of Jesus. Right out of the mouth of Jesus. He answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Did you know that Jesus speaks about believing in Mark 16 and 16. it said that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Did you know in Acts 2 and 21 it says that it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But did you know that when they called on the name of the Lord, according to Scripture, it was in baptism. We see in Acts 22 when Ananias baptized Paul that he did it calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. Did you know that later, In John 7 and 38, Jesus said, He that believeth on Me, there's that word again, He that believeth on Me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake He of the Spirit, which they that believe on Him should receive. Receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. We see Jesus making clear The essentiality of water baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and that they should both accompany believing in him. So don't let anyone convince you or tell you that all I have to do is say that I believe in God to be saved. And all I have to do is confess that I believe in God to be saved. I'm telling you, I don't say that to be harsh. I don't say it to be mean. I don't say it to say your grandmama was wrong. I say it because it's what the Bible says. I say it is because what Jesus said, that to be saved uh, after believing, you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus and be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's Jesus' words. We see before Jesus leave the, leaves the earth in the flesh that uh, He has some things to say about how we as His disciples should carry on. In Luke 24 and 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen does say, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The name of Jesus. And you will never, ever find anyone being baptized literally using the titles. But they always were baptized calling on the name of Jesus because they had the revelation and there was not a monotheistic Jew that believed that there was a holy trinity. They knew that Jesus was the Father and Jesus is the Son and Jesus is the Holy Ghost. Peter, who Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom. The message to save the world preaches on the day of Pentecost with the revelation and knowledge that the name is Jesus. I reiterate that Peter was a monotheistic Jew and it would have been nonsense to him to think of a holy trinity of three separate gods, three separate thrones. That was nonsense to Peter. He understood and knew who Jesus was. And Jesus even asked him, he said, who do you say that I am? And he told him, he said, he said it, it, it was the Spirit that's revealed this to you. It's the Father that's revealed this to you. Peter knew Jesus is God. I'm not getting into a oneness lesson tonight, but there's a little bit of it. After Jesus tells the disciples to go and wait to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, He tells them in Acts 1 and 8, Ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And soon after, when they had been filled with the Holy Ghost, accompanied by evidence of speaking in tongues, the people asked Peter, who Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom. Peter had the keys to the kingdom. Brother Eberhardt one time was saying that, and he got mixed up and said, Skeeter had the peas. (laughs) Skeeter had the peas. Peter had the keys to the kingdom. Look back in John 3 and 5 when Jesus explained how to enter into the kingdom of God, baptized with water and spirit. And so Peter had these keys. And he stood up when they asked him, Men and brethren, what shall we do? How can we be saved? And Peter stood up under the power and authority of the Holy Ghost and said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's how you're saved. That's how you're saved. And we see throughout the rest of the book of Acts the way that the church carried on, whether they, uh, wherever they preached and taught and wherever conversion was taking place, that they were baptizing in the name of Jesus and they were praying that people would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you won't find it any other way. Even those, and I always mention this, even those who were baptized under John the Baptist's baptism were rebaptized by Paul and afterward filled with the Holy Ghost. When two disciples, Aquila and Priscilla, who accompanied Paul in in some of his journeys, when they were somewhere and and they they heard preaching by a passionate man, Apollos, they said, this guy's he's pretty close. And they met with him when he was done preaching. They said, "We're, we're doing this in order, as the Scripture says, to expound unto you the way of God more Perfectly. They said, you're you're right there at it. You've almost got it. And you're working with what you know and what you got. But let me expound to you the way of God more perfectly. And and they told him this truth, this salvation. You see, this this is not about me being right. And this is not about me telling you that you're wrong. Or that that your family's pastor of 50 years uh, growing up was wrong. Or that your grandmama was wrong. That's not my place. To do that. And I do not sit on the judgment seat. And I do not place anybody in heaven or hell. I believe the word of God says that, uh, to them that know much, much is required. And I believe when you hear this salvation message, you've got an obligation to obey it. I've had people tell me before that they did not want to have a Bible study about this because they didn't want to have to do it. If I don't know it, I don't have to do it. I so said, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's, you, can't, you can't just live in ignorance, in, in, in willing ignorance, and say just because I don't know it means I don't have to obey it. And that's a little bit of a touchy subject, but I'm just telling you the Word of God. Like I said, it's not about me being right. I, 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 this is the command and the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Paul said, whose I am and whom I serve. And whose you are and who you serve. It's our obligation to preach this gospel, this salvation. And so I'm telling you tonight the way to be saved according to the scripture. I'm telling you the truth of the word of God. People say, I want Jesus living in my heart. I, to, to be saved, I've got to have Jesus living in my heart. Well, then you need the Holy Ghost. You want to have Jesus living in your heart? You want to have, like, like, I'm just using terminology that people use. You want to have Jesus living inside of you? Then you need the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus is the Holy Ghost. It's not some separate tool that He gives us. It is the Spirit of God joining to our Spirit. It is the Spirit of God filling this vessel. If you want Jesus living inside of you, you need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues like the Bible says. That's how you have Jesus living in your heart. You want to have your sins remitted? You got to do more than confess. You got to repent. Meaning, you've got to turn around from those things. You've got to turn around from those old ways. You got to make a change. You got to commit that in your heart. And you got to be baptized. Immersion in water. Buried with him in baptism as the Scripture says. And you got to do it in the name of Jesus Christ, as the Word, as Jesus Himself commanded. And maybe somebody in here, uh, you might believe differently. Maybe you have believed differently. Well, I stand here tonight to expound unto you the way of God more perfectly. If we want all of God, if we want all that He has for us, why would we not be open to receiving the truth of the Word of God. Why would we not be open to make a change? Forget tradition. I I can let go of tradition. Uh, Some people have a hard time letting go of tradition, but man, I'll I'll lay tradition down if it means I can be in line with this Word. Because it's not my Word. It's His Word. And it's forever settled. It's not my personal interpretation of the Scripture. It is plain in black and white and sometimes red. It's the truth of the Word of God. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Time I got. I got a few more minutes. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now I tack this on here tonight. I didn't know whether I'd get to it or not, but I want, and, I, and I've I've taught a couple times about uh, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and how to pray with people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not going to ask. I, I'm I'm not even looking up to see to see who's come in since I, I started teaching. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand if if you do or don't have the Holy Ghost is for you if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you. <clears throat> but I want to talk to us tonight, and I'm glad that I have a few more minutes to do this, if that's okay. I want to give us some practical teaching about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I want us, especially us that have received that 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 have been believers for some time now and and have received uh this this great salvation and obeyed the word of God in this uh in this manner that the Bible says for us to obey. I want us to listen to this and I want you to know tonight that you can pray with people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And people When you start getting practical about things like this, people are kind of, "Eh, it's a very spiritual thing. You shouldn't break it down into a, a classroom kind of thing. Well, we need to understand this. We need to know that it's not just for pastor to get on somebody and pray them through to the Holy Ghost, but that you and me as saints of God, we need to learn how to be active in the altars. And I, I would not dare point fingers, I can't, e- I can't even think to point fingers right now, I'm, I'm saying this so that we can all hear it tonight, we don't ever need to let two or three people, one of them being pastor, be the only ones that are praying with people in the altar. Especially someone that we know needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we need to learn how to pray for people when they are seeking the gift of the Holy Ghost. We need to understand what it, what it really is, what it does for us, what it means to us, and we need to know how to pray with people to receive the Holy Ghost. We need to learn how to work the altars, church. If, 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 we, if we believe God for the harvest of souls that He's promised, it's going to take more than pastor down in somebody's ear. Having to worry about who's praying for the rest of everybody else while we have a bunch of saints that know this standing there waiting, waiting for lunch. God help us. God help us. What do we come to church for? How can we believe that it's okay for us to stand by and pastor has to worry about praying for 70 people in the altar? I need to know how to work the altars at church. I need to learn how to pray with people. And if need be, I need to learn how to pray people through to the Holy Ghost. Pastor would amen me on that. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. something that we can read right over when we look at this account, is that they were all with one accord. That does not mean they were in the same place. It says they were in the same place. It says they were one accord in the same place. One accord means they were in the same mind. They were there for the same purpose. They were there for the same reason. They were there seeking the same thing. And when we want the Holy Ghost to be poured out in our altars, we have got to be not only in the same place, but with one accord. In the same mind, with the same purpose, realizing what we're here for, what is going on in these altars. It's amazing. And I listened to Brother Billy Cole say this one time. He says, amazing the stuff that we talk about at altar call. Altar calls going on. People are, 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 people's souls are on the verge of being saved. People's li- their, 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 their lives are hanging in the balance in the altars. People's praying for healing. People seeking the Holy Ghost. People's needing a breakthrough. And you can see it in just about any church. There, were, there will still be people. That are cutting up, that are joking, that are leaned over, talking about where we're gonna eat. Are we still doing this after church today? People are already checking social media. People just standing, just God's good. And I don't say that to slam anybody. I've been guilty of 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 letting my mind wander. During an altar call. But we need to realize as the church. As believers. That we've got to be in one accord. Does anybody still believe in altar calls? Does anybody still believe that that yeah we come in. We worship. We sing. We praise. Yeah we have prayer. Yeah we take an offering. Yeah we hear the preaching but does anybody still believe that when the Word goes forth that people should be in the altars praying and seeking God and seeking the Holy Ghost and being changed? Because I still believe it. That's not just part of a church service formula. The Word of God is going to drive people to the altars. God help us if we're not ready to meet them in the altar. We need to learn how to be in one accord when it's time to pray in the altars. And I will stay here as long as somebody needs me to. Forget going to eat. I don't care. It's Sunday. It's church day. I, I can eat. I can go out to La Parea any other day of the week that I want to. I don't care about that when somebody's soul is hanging in the balance. I need to learn how to take responsibility for the gift that's been placed in me and share it with somebody else. So I tell you that the Holy Ghost is necessary. For salvation. Again. Jesus said. Except a man be born of water and of spirit. Cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Of course we have Acts 2.38. The most quoted. We look at Acts. In Acts 8. Philip preaching in Samaria. People baptized. Then he called for Peter and John. uh, To pray for them. That they should receive the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10. Cornelius is how. uh, Peter baptized them. After they had received the gift of the Holy Ghost. That kind of. Flips it around because they received the Holy Ghost while he was preaching. But even that wasn't enough. He said, now you got to be baptized. He said he commanded them to be baptized. Look at uh, Acts 19. Paul preaches to the followers of John the Baptist. They're rebaptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now things that the Holy Ghost does for us, these are all scriptural, helps us guides us, teaches us, speaks, reveals, instructs, testifies of Jesus, comforts us, calls us, fills us, strengthens us, prays for us, prophesies through us, bears witness of the truth, uh, brings joy, brings freedom, helps us to obey, calls for Jesus' return, transforms us, lives in us, frees us, renews us, produces fruit in us, gives uh, gifts, leads us, convicts, sanctifies us, empowers us, unites us, seals us, gives us access to the Father, enables us to wait, it gives us power to cast out demons to pray with authority in the Holy Ghost, but first and foremost, it saves me. I can't do any of this if I don't have the Holy Ghost in the first place. And I tell you that above all those things, the Holy Ghost is essential for salvation. Now, when we talk about praying people through to the Holy Ghost, I'm good, just a few more minutes. When we look at praying people through to the Holy Ghost, and you can check me on this stuff, and but I won't tell you right now. A lot of this instruction, a lot of this teaching about this, I heard from men like Billy Cole. <laughs> if you don't know who Billy Cole is, just look him up. But And even above Billy Cole's word, th- these are things that are founded in the word of God. <clears throat> just in case, you know. Anybody, I I think y'all are pretty comfortable with me, but just saying. Now, some qualifications of someone who will pray people through to the Holy Ghost. We've got to have a burden for people to be saved. We cannot just look at them like they're just another number, and if they get the Holy Ghost, praise God, we can post that on our Instagram they're a soul that needs to be saved. They are a soul that is hanging in the balance. And we have to have a sincere burden for people. Another qualification, or rather a qualification that you do not have to have, is you do not have to be a uh, a preacher. I believe we all preach the gospel uh, but you do not have to be a licensed minister and you don't have to be pastor to pray with people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Another qualification that we must have is we have to have faith that they will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If it is is your hundredth time praying with this person, to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You've got to say. There ain't going to be no 101. They're getting the Holy Ghost. They're getting the Holy Ghost right now. I believe they're going to get the Holy. I believe that we're going to pray. They're going to receive the Holy Ghost. And I've seen people that pray. Uh, past, pastor. I, I can't even remember the exact number. So I'm not even going to try and say it. But it was a long time. That Pastor. After he was baptized in Jesus name. He sought the Holy Ghost. He sought it. Sincerely, and had faith every time he prayed for it. And if we're going to pray people through to the Holy Ghost, we've got to realize that faith is contagious, and doubt is contagious. It's like a it's like a like a radio signal that transmit. You, you've got to have faith that when I lay hands on them to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you, when I pray for people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and I and I I, I see that, that they're getting ready, they're, they're at that point where they're ready. It, it's it's about to come in. I I, I say these where I say, "Receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost," and that's not say I coined that or something like it's some magic words I use. It transmits faith when you when when you're not praying for them. And begging God, God, please fill them with the Holy Ghost. You do not have to beg God. That is not anywhere in the scripture that you have to beg and beg and beg for the Holy Ghost. It's a gift that He gives. And so when I pray for somebody to receive the Holy Ghost, I don't beg God to fill them. I say, Receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I've seen a lot of people filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm, again, not to Just lift myself up. I've prayed a lot of people through to the Holy Ghost. I cannot give them the Holy Ghost. I cannot put the Holy Ghost in them. But I can transmit faith. So if you're praying for somebody to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Have faith that they will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you've got to realize that if they didn't get it. It wasn't because I didn't have faith. And I believe next time they pray, they're going to get it. thats I mean, I, I know people in here tonight can back me up on that. You don't just give up on somebody. Now something else, and this is kind of along the same lines, is you've got to be enthusiastic when you're praying for somebody to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That does not mean jumping on the shoulders and screaming in their ear. But ha- let your faith be high. That's, that's just, I mean, I don't have to expound so much on that. Be enthusiastic that they will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Be excited that the Lord is pouring out the Holy Ghost. Now, and I'll, I'll go a little more into what I just said, that we have to know that physical exercise... Is not a substitute for faith when we're praying for someone to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right, Dusty? Somebody ripping your arm off. They they don't want that when they're seeking the gift of the Holy Ghost. They don't want somebody to push them all the way backwards until their head touches the floor. They don't want somebody piggybacking on them, screaming in their ear when they're trying to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I've heard, I've heard a few preachers say before that they pray, they've seen people pray through the Holy Ghost, but they got the Holy Ghost in self defense because they said, they're going to kill me if I don't start speaking in tongues. And, and we've seen it happen in our church. I've seen it happen in many places. We have to, and that's funny. That's funny, but it's funny because it's true. You ever hear? It's funny because it's true. It's funny because it's true that uh, I've seen I've seen people. I mean, punching people in the chest and beating on their back and got their head all like this. And you, I mean, I understand that we can get energetic and we can start to feel it, and that's that's okay. But you know, you can't beat the Holy Ghost into somebody. And again, it's just funny because it's true. And something that kind of goes hand in hand with that is that we're so, we, we can become so dependent on emotion. And that's not just with seeking the Holy Ghost, that's in, in our church services. What goes on in our services, we can become so dependent on emotion. And many of us we end up not being able to separate emotion and power. I don't say that to say that there is no emotion involved in what we feel. Because I believe emotion has to be involved in what we feel. I don't see how emotion can't be involved in what we feel. And I've heard it explained before that, yeah, when I think about the goodness of Jesus, I get emotional. I cry. There's nothing wrong with that. When I get excited and I start... uh, Y'all, y'all know me, I, 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 can't, I said I was going to teach tonight, but I, I feel like I'm preaching more than teaching a little bit. I, I, I get wound up when, you, when, when, you know, we, we've heard people say, I don't need a preacher screaming at me. Well, it, you know, sometimes a preacher really is just screaming at you, but when, when, when we hear people lifting their voice and we see people dance and we see somebody run the aisles and leap for joy and be energetic in worship, that's emotion. Because I get excited about what I've got. And I get excited about uh, knowing that, that I've got Jesus. And, and this, this Holy Ghost is living inside of me. Emotion. But we cannot get where we can't separate emotion and power. And we can't rely solely on emotion. We cannot say they cried three gallons of tears and so I know they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. We can't think that I can cry so much that they'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've got to realize this is a gift given by the power of God. Now this is another point. I'm I'm getting close here. If you're a believer, is this okay? Is this making sense? I'm I realize it's different, but I'm I'm trying to teach us because People are hungry for salvation. If you're a believer that's been around long enough that you've received this salvation, and you know a little bit about what you're talking about when it comes to the Word of God, you ought to be, we ought to be able to recognize when someone receives the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I say that to say this. Do not plant doubt in someone that has just received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You don't take a newborn baby that was just born and hold it and say, baby, are you born? And it doesn't respond and you say, if you're a mama that has just given birth, you know that you have just given birth. I mean, am I right? I mean, I can't... Am I right, moms? You might be a little out of it, but I have a feeling you know... All right, let me get on here. Listen, listen, listen. If... it. it, it the church ought to have enough confidence in and knowledge of the Word of God to know when someone has just received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do not sow seeds of doubt by asking someone, did you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? Well, maybe they say, I I thought I did. Why are you asking me? I thought you would know. You're the one that ran the aisles when I started talking in tongues. Don't plant doubt in someone by asking them, did you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? I know we, we can do that and we mean well. But we've got to have enough knowledge and confidence in the Word of God to know that, uh, that, that the evidence of speaking in tongues, if it's evidence, it's going to be evident. Evident. If you just want to say, if you just want to bump the Holy Ghost number up for any given Sunday and say, well, I didn't really hear it and I couldn't really tell because I couldn't see their face because they were in the floor, but I'm just going to say they got the Holy Ghost. I believe they got it. And there are some people that are like that. they are like 50 people just got the Holy Ghost, but I didn't hear none of them talking tongues. It happens. We ought to know the evidence of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 10, Look, 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 what, look what he said. For, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the gift of the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. He told them they received the gift of the Holy Ghost because he recognized the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. He didn't ask them, did you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? He didn't ask them, did you speak in other tongues? The evidence was evident. And he told them, "And you received the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's time to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so that might, you know, that well Jake, you don't really have to teach that, but you'd be surprised. We need to not do things that will sow doubt into a newborn babe in Christ. When we're praying, again, all these things pertain to when we are praying with people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Give me about two more minutes. I'm right here. And I want to say, again, if you feel like, you know, I, I, I feel like I need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost the way the Bible says. And if you're talking to someone who needs to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and they know it. I tell you, we cannot be scared to tell people. That This is the thing, they need to know. Sometimes the power of God will just hit them and, that, and boom, there it is. I've seen it happen many times. But people need to know. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the evidence is going to be speaking in other tongues. And we, we're, God, I don't want to freak people out. I don't want to. I, I used to have people in high school ask me, do y'all speak in tongues at your church? Yeah, we'll do it right now. Say something. I'm not fixing to bust out in a war tongue right here in history. Speaking in tongues is the evidence of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. God could have chose anything he could have said you 're going to turn blue for five minutes. He chose the miraculous you know thing of of speaking in an unknown language, a language that you do not understand and I tell people a lot of this a lot of times when i 'm praying for them and they're they're right there, I tell them what you, you you're going to speak with other tongues. You don't have to understand it, and it does not have to make sense. What you feel on the inside, just let it flow. Just let, just give up, just give control to God. Surrender your tongue to the Lord, and let what you feel on the inside flow on the outside. Because when someone receives the gift of the Holy Ghost, the reason that that, that evidence comes after is because the Holy Ghost goes in, it fills them. And that overflow and that evidence is when the spirit starts praying through them. That's that evidence. Does that make sense? And I always say this to to because some people can get so down on themselves and they, they think, well if you know they they feel like if I'm praying and i and I can and I'm able to just start speaking in tongues then I've, I, people I've had seriously concerned about their salvation because they felt like because I can be praying and I can just begin to speak in tongues, I feel, you know, do I really have the Holy Ghost? Because, because I'm, I'm making it happen. And I understand that concern, but see, I don't have to be refilled with the Holy Ghost every time that I talk in tongues. It's, it's not me being just refilled with the Holy Ghost like it was the first time. When I have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is here. It is in me. I have that power residing in me. And that's why you can look at verses like praying in the Holy Ghost. And when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit makes intercession for us. If I wanted to, and I'm not going to, if I wanted to, I could begin to speak in tongues right now. Because I am submitted to the Spirit. And that Spirit lives inside of me. And if I wanted to, I could su- submit to the Spirit and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. That doesn't mean that it's that it's by my own doing. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you learn to surrender to the Holy Ghost. And if you need to pray in the Holy Ghost, you just start praying in the Holy Ghost. And the more that, the longer that you pray in the Holy Ghost, you'll start to feel it. You'll start to feel this is less me and more him. This is less me and more him. I've done lost control. That's when you start getting into intercession. I have done lost control and the Spirit is praying through me. Whole different lesson. I'm ending right here. If you need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and tell this to anybody you're talking to, You've got to tell them they have to repent. They, they, they do not have to be baptized before they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They don't. They need to be baptized. They don't. It does not have to happen before being filled with the Holy Ghost. But what does have to happen is repentance. No matter what, you can't repent last. If you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it will be because you have repented in your heart. You have made a turnaround in your heart. You've got to tell them to repent turn they need you you need to tell them you need to desire this you need to understand what you're seeking and and so explain it to them you've got to have a desire for this you've got to have a desire to be filled with the Holy Ghost not just I don't care if I have it or not because I don't don't really care about it they need to understand it desire it you need to tell them to get their mind and their focus on Jesus when they are praying for the Holy Ghost I know this sounds like something you say in kids church but these are practical things we need to realize they need to have their mind, their focus, their heart on Jesus, not on anything else, which is why we need to not be pulling their arms out of the socket, because all they're thinking is, my God, my arm hurts, or somebody's got my wrist so tight that the circulation is cut off, my fingers are going to fall off, you got to have faith that you will receive it, and that, that part of that is us transmitting faith. They're not going to have faith if we don't have faith. And they need to worship the Lord. They need to worship the Lord for the Holy Ghost before they receive the Holy Ghost. I've instructed many people that I've seen shortly thereafter, filled with the Holy Ghost, just worship the Lord for the Holy Ghost before you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they do it, and they they just start worshiping the Lord. They start worshiping the Lord, and the Holy Ghost comes in. It's, I mean, if you want to say I can't find that in Scripture, well, no, I said I was ending. That's a whole different lesson. They need to worship the Lord, seeking the Holy Ghost. Stand with me. <clears throat> I hope that these things make sense to us tonight. And I want to reiterate, I I know that's that it was kind of a, I, I don't know, maybe I preached this long. Do I ever preach this long? I don't know. I feel like I don't, which probably means that I do. But you know, this, I, I'm I'm not the kind of teacher that pastor is. I'm not the kind of teacher that Bishop Bernard is. I, but this this was all founded in the Word of God, and I want to say again. I know you know we didn't, we didn't have music night. We didn't take an offer. We didn't you know it was it was just teaching. That's fine. That's the main thing we come here for, anyways, to hear from the Word of God. I want us, and if you have to listen to the podcast or go back, we're live streaming. If you want to go back and listen to the live stream and write down notes and things, I say all this because I believe that now more than ever, we have got to understand what we have in this salvation truth that we have. But it is not enough. After we have obeyed it and received it, we have to share it. We have to preach it. We have to teach it. And we can always have a better understanding of it. And we can always apply practical things like this when we are praying with people and we're working the altars. We need to know how to do these things as a church. Amen? This great salvation that we have, we need to treasure it. And we need to share it and proclaim it. Let's lift our hands and our voice for a moment. Lord, I thank you for the instruction of your word. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, if I, if I said anything amiss, if I missed the mark on anything that I said tonight, Lord, forgive me. Lord, but I believe that I have preached solely from the Word of God. And everything tonight was founded in Scripture. Lord, so I pray that you would open us up, Lord, and let this Word take root in us tonight. Give us a better understanding. Lord, and not only that, but give us holy boldness that we would proclaim this truth. Lord, that we would not uh, be like that servant that hid the talent in the earth, Lord, but help us to invest this in someone else. Help us to share and proclaim this gospel and this salvation that we have. Lord, we, we want people, Lord, it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to be who you've called us to be and to do what you've called us to do with this salvation, this great salvation that you had given us in the name of Jesus. Could you give God some praise right now for his word? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I tell you what. It excites me to know. "Mm, I, mm, I can't start preaching. I cannot start preaching again. But it ought to excite you to know that there are all kinds of different beliefs. And all kinds of different denominations. And all kinds of different religions. But what I have got... What I have got is the way and the keys to the kingdom. I have got the message that will save the world. The message that I have got is still the message that saves souls. And I ought to be excited and I ought to care enough about it that I will proclaim it and I will share it and I will preach it and I will teach it. Hallelujah. Oh, it excites me, especially in these last days, all the turmoil and all the violence and all the mayhem, and I have got the answer. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm good. Regeneration, look out for uh, announcement about Friday night. Uh, I don't think there's any other special announcements, but uh, be ready for church on Sunday. I'm ready. I'm ready to see somebody fill with the Holy Ghost on Sunday, Amen. Ready to see somebody to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name. Why don't you talk to somebody about it before Sunday gets here? I love you, church. God bless you. Be dismissed in Jesus' name.